I don't think Toto is the only one who misses the rain down in Africa. Welcome to episode 9 of the Mutant Musings Evolution Podcast for the beginning of May 2021. I'm Jonathan, and with me as always is my Gene No Three-Way Gray, Patty. Remember to leave us a comment on this episode's webpage on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast and follow us on Twitter at mutant musings. Come on. Everyone has an opinion. Like assholes. Assholes have opinions. Everyone loves sharing their opinions on the internet. That's what makes the internet so goddamn wonderful. So leave us a review on whatever podcast app you're using. Only share your opinion if it's good, but do not share your asshole at all. Okay. So leave a good review, but keep the asshole. I don't care if you have a good asshole or a bad asshole. I don't want to know about it. Right. Good opinions about us go on the internet. All types of assholes stay at home. Save your asshole for people who want it. Consensual asshole sharing. During designated asshole time. And speaking of asshole, not only is that a bad word, but it's a naughty body part. Double the uses for double the action. And there are a lot of those things around here. Asshole action? No, assholes stay at home, remember? Why are we still talking about assholes? Because they're used for bad language and innuendo. But Jonathan, assholes stink. (laughs) There's your explicit content warning. Oh, boy. Assholes, am I right? Yeah. Tell me about it. Speaking of assholes, Rihanna is a a singer. (laughs) Who Patty doesn't like. It's true. Yeah, because that's what Patty has has got for us tonight. Patty's got all the hot takes for us tonight. I'm excited. Yeah. (laughs) Ever since, I think her first song came out when I was in like, I don't know, seventh grade or something. And I used to watch like MTV and stuff. And like, I guess back in seventh grade, they still had music videos. And it was that (laughs) uh, something... On the replay, Mr. DJ, whatever the fuck. It was so annoying. And it it was on all the time. And I was like, this lady is really pretty, but she cannot sing. Her voice is so grating. And I would like mute it whenever it came on. And then somebody had it as their ringtone in my school and I wanted to break their phone. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Even though that that is that is a little funny. But to be fair, you think that Gwen Stefani has an annoying voice, and I love her. She does have an annoying voice. It's She sings like she, her nasal passages don't exist. Uh, she sings the same way Billy Joe from Green Day sings, you know, with, like, collapsed nasal passages. <laughs> um, no, listen, listen, she's, she's, she is talented, though. She She is. Just because I think her voice is nasally doesn't mean that, like, she can't sing. Because I do think that it's I, I don't know how the fuck to explain this. I do think she's a decent singer, even if that particular tone is not for me. I, I don't that makes literally no sense. So whatever. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I don't I don't go out of my way to listen to fucking like pop music or, or whatever. But I think Rihanna's okay. I just I love that song. We 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 found love. I don't know how how did we get into that? How did that pop into my head? Before we started recording. I don't remember. That was like five minutes ago. (laughs) I don't know either. But I love that song. That's such a good song. Oh my god. Oh. So we just listened to a little bit of it. And I was trying to sing along to it. How was my singing? Was my singing better than hers? 
Yeah, but I think that's a pretty low bar. <laughs> wow. All right. I'm taking that as a win. I'm not taking that as an I'm not taking that as an insult. That's that's a win for Jonathan. Jonathan is a better singer than, than Rihanna. One for Jonathan, zero Rihanna. <laughs> okay. Is that is that all we got? Is that is that all we got? How, how are you doing, Patty? Is this going to be hot take Patty time? Oh, Jonathan, when is it? When is it not? <laughs> I have exclusively. I only have hot takes all the time. Patty cakes and hot takes. That's <laughs> the brand. <laughs> That's the brand. See, that, yeah, I gotta brand that. Uh, all right, yeah. So we we got a we got a few episodes to talk about. Uh, season two, episode eight, uh, African Storm. From December 1st, 2001. We're almost done with 2001. I'm Woo. good at rhyming today. Uh, yeah, I did not like this this episode. Uh, thankfully, we're talking about three episodes. The other two episodes that we're going to talk about, uh, I'm sure I'm going to find so many good things to say about them. I have little good to say about this episode. Okay, so I wasn't the only one who found this like low-key racist. No, you were not. <laughs> okay, cool. Also, I feel like just the whole time, they never said where they were. They just said Africa. And I was like, that is such a big area, though. Where? Where in Africa? Yeah. That's like saying, oh, uh, yeah, this story starts off in the United States. Okay, in the Grand Canyon or New York City? Like, what? There's, like, tons of stuff in between. There's tons yes. of different cultures. And, you know, but, like, you can't just say Africa. And not just that, like also the, the episode opens with, you know, Africans, but it's the stereotypical Africans who like live in a hut and are wearing like bones and skulls on their faces and like dancing around a fire, you know, like, yeah. like, sure. But there are also people who live in houses and buildings and have internet and- <laughs> in africa you know and and this this is not a recent development either like within the past year y'all this was happening in 2001 people lived like that in africa in 2001 yeah low-key low-key racist um and 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 okay so like i'm not saying either because like i'm i don't fucking i don't know the writers or the producers or developers of this but you know i mean there's there's you know kind of there's overt racism uh, and then there's more covert racism, and I feel like that's more what's what's going on here. Like these these problematic tropes that were somehow more acceptable, you know, a couple of decades ago. That if this were to air now, uh, there would rightfully be an uproar and a backlash um, against some of this. But anyway, this this fucking stereotypical trope, this African tribe that's dancing around the fire. One of them says something about the power of the wind rider belongs to us. So you know he's talking about about storm. But before we can even get to Storm, we're at school, and you've got Scott and Taryn, who are still an item. They're sitting, and Jean sees them and, you know, tries to turn and walk away, and Taryn calls for Jean to sit with them. Bitch. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and Jean was not into it. Yeah, Jean was uh, was just not into it. She wanted to go, she wanted to go find Duncan, because Jean is not into threesomes. <laughs> that is something we know about Jean Grey. Jean Grey says three way, no way. So yeah, so I I thought that that was that was kind of funny that that got really awkward and she she walked away 
But anyway, so so as she goes to walk away, Spike almost knocks her over. And he takes something off of her fucking lunch tray. What a dick. Yeah, but she threw him across the table. Uh, so that, you know, I mean, that kind of evens out. You know, she's trying to steal a piece of her lunch and she throws you across the table. So that was good. Well, she was already pissed off to begin with. So good for her, honestly. No, that's that's... That's very and, true. And he's been acting like such a little bitch lately. Like, he deserves... Ooh, Spike? Yeah. <laughs> God. He, he deserves, you know, some tough love. Oh, Patty. What? <laughs> Spike has not been written well. And I feel bad because there's like... Like, I want to like this character more, but they're they're writing him so poorly. And this goes back to what we're saying about, like, this this covert racism here. Um, and we we brought it up, I think, maybe last episode, too, that, you know, he's a fucking urban basketball playing slacker black kid. And that sucks. <laughs> it, it it sucks. But I, I suppose we'll we'll get there after, you know, we kind of get through the plot of this episode. You know, Storm is having trouble. She's hearing voices. She's in she's in the danger room. She's trying to run a simulation with Evan um, where he's supposed to protect her. Uh, and, and, you know, it starts off OK. He cuts off these claws that go to grab her and he gets dropped in a hole and he climbs out. And so, okay, so great. So he's, he's adapting to his surroundings, but then all of a sudden this fucking box just forms itself around storm. And I'm sitting there watching this thinking, why would they like the, the, the name of the simulation is what storm catcher. I think storm chaser. Why would they build when she's claustrophobic, a closed box into the simulation and so she yells at Evan and, you know, but she also, she like wonders like why this was built in because it wasn't supposed to be. Yeah. So I, um, even before that, before they got into the details of what this program entailed, I was like, why is there a program specifically in the situation that Storm gets kidnapped? Has Storm been kidnapped that often that it's a problem that we have to train for it? Yeah, you know, because Storm is typically such a damsel in distress, right? <laughs> She's not too powerful, that Storm. You yeah. Know? I mean, yeah. <laughs> her mutant power is basically useless. What? I mean, Storm? They should call her the Drizzle. <laughs> uh... <laughs> no, you're you're 100% right. You're You're 100% right. You know, I mean, as far as the plot, I guess I was trying to give it a pass and I, I didn't think about about the whole damsel thing. But uh, but so Evan got his progress report from school. He threw it out and Beast found it. And Beast obviously shows it to Auntie O. And Storm says that she has serious doubts that Evan is reachable. So we know that he's still slacking in school. That sucks. So Storm is having nightmares. Is talking to Charles about it. And they get into talking about Evan. And this is crazy. As Storm and Xavier are talking, Xavier thinks that it was a mistake to bring him to the Institute, to take him from his parents, that he should he should go home. And he overhears this. And this is just so fucking rough for this kid. It's so rough. Like, first, he's he develops these mutant powers that he's, like, trying to keep under wraps. He doesn't want to acknowledge. He wants to keep it a secret. And then, you know, he gets visited by, you know, Scott and Gene and Aroro, and they're talking to him about, like, what a great idea it is to come to the Institute. And then you see the, his practical use of it, that he can control it in that fight against Pietro alongside Scott and Gene. And then he's, he's 
there. He's at the Institute. And now they're like, no, this was a mistake. He should go home. He's not doing well in school. So he should go home. I mean, I see their point, and I'm wondering if overhearing this conversation actually, like, you know, got some motivation into him. Like, that was not the plan of them having this conversation about him, but I thought that it could work if he did overhear it and thinks, oh, shit, they want to send me home, and that's so lame, and I want to stay here with all my friends, so I got to start doing better in school. I thought that that could be a neat consequence. Yeah, I I definitely, I I agree with that. I mean, ultimately, he ends up, quote unquote, proving himself to the eyes of how the writers wrote Storm and Xavier at the, by the end of this episode and wrapped it up. But he did the rebellious teenager thing and he was mad and resentful. uh, And he kind of, you know, stormed off, stormed off, (laughs) uh, stormed off in a huff and packed his things and was being, you know, shitty to his friends. And it's, it was just really upsetting. It was really upsetting to see. It was, he's like emptying his locker and like, Kurt's trying to be supportive and he like yells at him to get away, to get away from him. Yeah, we're not friends. You don't care about me. Yeah. There was this kid in my high school who like, it was like a few months before we were going to graduate or something. He posted a status on Facebook that he was moving like a few states away. Like he was going to be at least a few hours away and he wasn't. He was going to graduate with the rest of us, and I think he was actually a valedictorian, but he just wanted to see, like, who his real friends were and who was going to reach out to him. (laughs) Damn, teenagers. Oh, God, teenagers. So fucking dramatic. Um, I'm surprised I didn't do something like that. Uh, Seriously, I was, ugh, ugh, I don't want to, ugh. So you get this flashback of Storm making it rain for this tribe in Africa. So, okay, fine. But suddenly she sees that there are snakes at her feet. Some sort of hallucination. Uh, She flies away. uh, And then she sees Evan skating away. And then suddenly, you know, there's this African dude at the Institute. Uh, Storm says something to him. The the guy says back, the Hungan. The Hungan has come. And they chase her. And then they shoot her in the neck with a trank. Uh, and as Evan is leaving, he sees this and he goes back into the Institute and wakes Xavier. And again, she awakens in a box and tries to zap her way out. And so this Hungan guy who we saw at the beginning comes and says that uh, her spirit is broken and he's going to take it from her. So he's going to take her power. So the X-Men locate Storm. Uh, Logan uh, takes his bike to the docks, says he smells her. Xavier says we're on our way and goes Logan goes pardon me for not waiting uh that was a that was a great Logan moment <laughs> unfortunately the motivation from the Hungan is explained in in about two seconds that the the village that they lived in storm turned the village against the Hungan 10 years ago that's the motivation he wants revenge he wants her power and he wants the power to rule over Africa and so that was it. That was the explanation. All of Africa, the whole continent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, all right, so fine. So the X-Men get down to the docks, and so you get Africans uh, throwing spears and shooting tranks at the X-Men, and Storm is not in control of herself anymore. The Hungan's in control. 
But uh, Evan has a moment where he remembers his training through all of the fog. He breaks the crystal from the Hungan staff. So Storm Spirit goes back into her. And so it was a great, a great action moment where she sends this fucking whirlwind that sucks the Hungan up into the sky. And then Evan catches Storm as she falls. And then back at the mansion, uh, Evan's mom is there and her and Auntie O are sitting on the couch and saying that Evan gets another chance and he's happy. And so he breaks out the skateboard and he's got his helmet on and he skates around all the X-Men and they're all happy and give him rubs on the head and pats on the back and they walk off and that's the end of the episode. And boy, this episode was, was, was bad. Um, I, I had problems paying attention to it, honestly. <laughs> I mean, it was bad for a number of reasons that we kind of already, already touched on. They didn't have to bring over the stereotype of we're dancing around a fire. We're wearing bones on our body. We're shooting tranks. We're literally throwing spears. That was bad. It was just, it was really yeah, they bad. They have guns there. <laughs> the whole, the damsel in distress Instead of her, her having her own agency and being a powerful character in her own right and overcoming this problem that she has and becoming stronger, a stronger character, a stronger person. Oh, no, it's a box. Because of it. Yeah. And then she is claustrophobic. So, OK, so fine. But, you know, all it is is just seeing her helpless and powerless and and the trope of just Evan being this fucking slacker. At the last minute, remembering some training, which he didn't even really get anyway. You know what? Listening through the fog? <laughs> you know, so he could catch his ants? Yeah, it, it it just, it hurts to see it. Um, I don't really have much positive to say about this episode at all. Today, we can sit here 20 years later and point out all the problems. And it, and, you know, it kind of, it, it is what it is. We can't go back and, and change it now. It's just kind of like this really unfortunate blight because also like you know we're sitting here and we're talking about just contained within what happens contained within this episode but we we brought this up last time that you know the two black characters aren't really getting the best characterization in the show storm has had a couple of really badass moments even when she was nerfed a little bit and adrift and was struggling with that fucking um the fucking whirlwind on the water it was still, you know, a badass storm moment. You know what I mean? But she's not given too much depth as a character. I get that the kids are more of a focus, but we saw, I, I feel like we've seen more from Beast. And he's new yeah. this season than we've seen from Storm overall. And Evan, it just seems to be the one note. He's this fucking slacker. Um, and that's all that it really is, who just kind of comes through at, at the last moment, but doesn't get any development himself. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. I I completely agree with you too. So, that's kind of enough of my rambling. What did you what do you have to say about this episode? I mean, I feel like I've already said mostly what I think about it. I didn't really care about the plot. I wasn't like, you know, following it with 100% of my attention. I can say that honestly. I don't know. I feel really old that this came out 20 years ago, and I'm like trying to think about what was acceptable 20 years ago. Um I can't, I cannot say without doubt that it would not be acceptable now because I feel like this would still, this kind of thing would still air and then they would have to issue an apology and delete their Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? You might be right. You might be right about, I, I could be full of shit. You might be right. But 
Um, I remember really liking Spike a lot when I was a kid, maybe because it was the skateboarding thing. Skateboarding was like super big back then. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And like I wanted to skateboard. Everybody wanted to skateboard. It was all like, you know, the skateboarding movies on like MTV or whatever, like all the time. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Yeah, Tony Hawk. He had like 15 games, I swear. I liked Tony Hawk's, uh, was it American Underground? Okay. Something like that. No, American Wasteland. And then there was Underground 1 and Underground 2. Those games were fucking awesome. Yeah, so <laughs> like, I don't know. I guess I thought he was just kind of cool, you know? But yeah, looking at him now, I'm like, wow, they really did not give this guy any characterization. And that sucks. Because I because the, the character could be better, you know? I mean, he's a cool enough concept. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I'm not saying here that, like, all of the students need to be, like, straight-A students. Because obviously that would be boring. You can't sure. just have the same character over and over. So you can have, you know, somebody who's maybe struggling with their grades or they just don't give a shit because that's how life is. Yeah, but then you have to give him something else because I feel like Nightcrawler, okay, maybe he, he's maybe like coasting as like a D student or maybe <laughs> C student. But like, yeah. that's not like, they're not harping on that. That's not like the main focus of his character. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But who knows? I mean, we're not even uh, officially <laughs> halfway through. We're not even officially halfway through the series yet. I'm sure Storm gets more moments from my memory. She does. And the same with Spike, so we'll we'll see how those go when, when we get to them. So, is the answer to... What's in the box? Storm? That's fucked up. What's a bigger mistake? Sending Spike to Xavier's or Spike's entire characterization? I think the mistake was the Y in his name instead of an X. Call him Spikeski. <laughs> Logan may not be waiting, but y'all should stick around while we take a quick commercial break. Boy, howdy, do I hate my commute. Drive to the train, train to the bus, bus to the airport, airport to the boat, boat to the horse, horse to the helicopter, helicopter to the jet ski. Two hours round trip every day and I'm tired of it. Hey there, exploited essential worker. If you're bored during your commute to increase someone else's profit margins by a fraction, why not check out the podcast on geekkay.com? Wow! Podcasts about video games, comic books, Transformers, and so much more? I love those things! That's right. A trip to geekkay.com will turn that income inequality frown upside down. Plus, geekkay.com even has YouTube and Twitch channels. Holy moly! I can check out geekkay.com's YouTube and Twitch channels while I'm at work! My boss is a greedy, micromanaging shit stain! Don't be a casualty of capitalism. Use Geekade for some escapism. Boss makes a dollar, I make a dime. That's why I geek out on company time. Check out geekade.com today, comrades. Alright, so uh, so next episode we're talking about. Season 2, Episode 9, Joyride. Woo! Yeah. I love this one. Oh, this was fan-fucking-tastic episode. God, this was so good. Especially, like following the other one that we just watched this one was awesome (laughs) yeah but it opens with avalanche walking up to the mansion literally knocking the fucking gates down and wrecking the defense system blasting at him (laughs) 
That's so he just walks up and wrecks their shit by himself. <laughs> so good. He's a wrecking crew. He's a one man wrecking crew. Yeah, he can wreck my crew. Huh? <laughs> All the X Men come outside, like ready to fucking fight, and he's like, uh, he's like, I've come to join the X Men. <laughs> Xavier, Xavier wants to listen. And the rest of them are like, no. Well, Scott, Scott is like, no, Scott doesn't trust him. He just wants to get his dick wet. <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, what? come on. There's no reason that he's doing it other than Kitty. <laughs> he's doing it all for the nookie. <laughs> yeah, the nookie. Yeah. So you can take that cookie, Scott, and stick it up your yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh shit he's just trying to get his his dick wet did you really just say that I yeah. wish I could I wish I could make that the title of this episode but I can't <laughs> god alright what I thought was great was Xavier leaves it to Kitty to show Lance to one of the guest rooms oh I'll show him yeah, as if the teenager isn't going to show him to her room. Here, the guest room is right here. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me just put a napkin here. It's actually my face. <laughs> oh, the guest room. That's what I call my mouth. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, but Scott Scott says Lance wouldn't do this unless he wanted something. And Xavier goes, yes. And what he wants is to be near Kitty. So maybe that's a good start. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, Xavier's not... I mean, forget the fact that he's psychic. He's not stupid. Like, he knows. Like, yeah, obviously that's why he's here. And maybe this will be good for him. But at the same time, you know, I'm thinking, like... Kitty, Kitty's not doing it, like, for this reason. But it's almost like, you know, the good girl is going to make the bad boy turn good sort of fucking like like an 80s movie sort of trope or something you know what yeah, i mean yeah yeah but anyway he's in the uniform he's in the fucking x-men uniform right and he's in the blackbird Iceman is learning to fucking pilot the blackbird it's it's really funny because in almost no time bobby crashes and he's really happy because it took him twice as long to crash this time than last time uh it's just a simulation so it's it's no big deal but it's it's really funny. You know, and then there's just a couple of training montages. You've got all the fucking new mutants outside training. And, you know, like missing something. But Lance takes out all the defenses himself and everyone high fives him. Cut to Scott smirking in his general direction. And then in the danger room, Lance and the new mutants complete this course. But then Scott's up in the control room and pushes a button. And so this giant metal thing knocks him down. And Scott and Kurt laugh, and Kitty is pissed. There's a drowning rescue, and Lance throws a life preserver out, and it hits <laughs> Rogue in the head. And Lance dives in and ignores her anyway and goes for Kitty. He pushes Cannonball out of the way. Lance, Lance comes up onto land, and Scott's like, oh, you just took out two other people. And he's, he's carrying Kitty. He's like, yeah, but look who I saved. And then Rogue Rogue pushes them both back in the pool. And he was, like, carrying her, like, fucking princess style, too. I love it. And she was so happy. Like, oh, this is so good. I love these little montages. Oh, so Scott, 
Scott sees that somebody fucked with his car. And so, of course, who do you think Scott blames? You you can tell that Scott's not happy that Lance is there because Scott doesn't want to believe that this, you know, bad kid. And, and he has, let's, let's be real, okay? Lance has been real shitty a couple of times throughout this series. Like, super fucking shitty. But at the same time, Scott is just, is ready to pick apart any little thing that he can to be like, you know, look, here's my proof. Lance is still the same piece of shit as he's been. Isn't that fair? It doesn't give him a chance for redemption. For redemption. For redemption. But like, listen, all of us over here, we're cheering. We're cheering. We're like, yes, yeah, Shantae, you stay. And <laughs> Scott is just like, Lance, sashay away. So we can sort of see where where the real conflict in this episode is gonna is gonna come up when you see late at night, Lance sees that Iceman is taking the Hummer out driving, and some of the other students are are with him. You've got like Cannonball, you've got multiple multiple boy, uh, Jubilee. One of them's like, "Hey, look at these controls." They push a button and it fires missiles, and a <laughs> power line a power line catches on fire. And they're like, "Oh, that button didn't do anything." Yeah. <laughs> But early in the morning, all the kids have this training session with Logan, and he's he's ready to flip because the X-Man is fucking wrecked. You know, nobody nobody's going to admit to it. But somebody says, what happened? Yeah, Logan's like, what happened? And Scott's like, I bet I know. And he stares at Lance. And Lance is literally fucking innocent. So the next time the kids sneak out, they leave multiple behind. Uh, I forget who said it. I think it was Jubilee that said he's too big of a crowd. Yeah. They invite Lance, and Lance says no. They've already gotten him into enough trouble. This time they want to take the fucking Blackbird. I'm like, are you kidding? Well, that is a bad idea. <laughs> like, Bobby has already crashed the thing twice, but he wants to take the, the actual Blackbird. Lance overhears them saying something bigger and faster, so he goes and gets Kitty and tells Kitty. And so Lance and Kitty get to the hangar just in time to see the Blackbird take off and uh, they jump and phase into the plane and now fucking Bobby is flying the actual Blackbird through the city. Uh, and and listen, I mean, like as shitty as this is, this like this whole scene was amazing. I loved everything that happened here. Jubilee opening the roof and throwing fireworks into the fucking sky <laughs> was so cute and was so amazing. Um, but then Lance and Kitty get to the cockpit and this surprises Jubilee. And so a firework lands on the controls and the controls start going haywire. And then the fucking military comes by. You've got the fucking air force and Lance and like, they're, they're announcing themselves. Like you, you have to go away. You're in like restricted airspace. And Lance is looking for the PA system when Lance fires fucking missiles. Yeah, at Lance. The fucking fighter jets. Go get him. <laughs> so yeah, so then you've got fucking Jubilee shooting fireworks out and taking out missiles. The controls, since the controls are busted, Sam uses his gum to stick some of the wires back together. And like the controls are, are gone, so they start literally like going to crash. Bobby makes an ice slide to keep them from crashing, but now there's a whole bunch of fucking jets after them. Lance uh, causes an avalanche, which forces a lot of the jets off their backs. And so 
they fire missiles and the missiles are following the jet. Kitty has this amazing moment where she holds the fucking, like the chair, she holds the roof and she tells Bobby to go into this fucking cliff and she faces the jet through the fucking mountain. And it was amazing. That was such an amazing sequence. And one of like the fighter pilots goes, did you just see that? And like their commander goes, nope. And you didn't either. Let's get out of here. Uh, I just, I loved all that. Like it, it was such nonsense, but it was so much fun. And it was so cool to see, you know, these kids like literally trying to have fun in the stupidest way possible. Like you think of a bunch of fucking teen- teenagers with access to a fucking SR-71 Blackbird taking it out for a joyride. And then the bad boy comes in to help save the fucking day with his girlfriend. It was just so cool. It was so cool to see all of that. But then Xavier's jaw dropping when he sees the Blackbird is fucking wrecked. And Scott immediately accuses Lance. And Lance is willing to take the fucking blame for it, too. Like a good boy. Yeah. Wow. But of course, Bobby, Sam, and Jubilee come come in and they confess to it. And Scott goes, I guess we all owe you an apology, especially me. Save it, Summers. I'm out of here. And Kitty's like all pouty and wants him to stay. But he says that living with the Brotherhood was cake compared to living with them. And I thought that this was really cute. Uh, When we were watching, Patty was like, oh, go go give him a kiss. And so Kitty actually runs over and gives him a kiss on the cheek. And Patty goes, aw. And I thought (laughs) that was funny. (laughs) It was so cute. It was. It was. So this, you know, so this ended sad, but, you know, at the same time, not too sad. So, like, this kid showed that he had the capacity for goodness in him. And, you know, this this kind of, I don't know, this, this it made me think about being a teenager and being one of the fucking, like, bad kids or whatever, but having the capacity for for good inside of you and, like, other kids, like the more popular kids or the jocks or whatever, not wanting to give you a chance you know, like having like these these shitty sort of labels and like a reputation or whatever. And and I'm not saying that like none of that is without its merit because when I was a fucking teenager, I was a lot more like Lance. Uh, I, in a lot of ways, I was worse than Lance. So in some ways, I sort of see not wanting to give the person the benefit of the doubt. But at the same time, you know, because you don't want to give this person a chance, it literally, they're just literally going to want to keep going and being shitty. Like if you if you already have this this notion that like I can do no good, well then fuck you, bro. I am going to be bad. That was like the point of that uh remember that like fake documentary American Vandal? Oh <laughs> god. The one where yeah, they were spray painting dicks on cars. With the dicks? Yeah. Yeah, with the dicks, yeah. Yeah, I always think about that line that that kid said about like he doesn't like taking a dump at his grandma's house because she's got the squishy seat cover and it feels like pooping into another butt. (laughs) Patty, what the fuck? (laughs) Because my grandma has that seat cushion too and I hate it. So so that, wow, um, well that line had a personal connection with you. I'm I'm glad that that hit you personally. That's what they call cinema verite. Hey, that's not <laughs> what cinema verite means. But I guess that's what it means for for you. Yeah, it's 
It's it's when you lose yourself in the movie and you actually think that you're pooping into another butt. That's what <laughs> cinema verite means. <laughs> I've been there. I can relate. Oh, uh, whose butt are you pooping into? What do you mean you've been there? <laughs> Uh, like Lance, Lance had done some shitty stuff. He was manipulative and grabby with Kitty when we first met them. You know, he outed mutants. He outed the X-Men. That was super shitty. And But I want to say, but, you know, like, but. He's hot. It's <laughs> But he's hot. But there's, still, <laughs> but there's still goodness in him. He was still willing to come to Xavier's and try to play by their rules. And at least... Xavier, like whose whose home this is, was willing to give this kid a shot, you know, and and Scott was just about making life harder for him. Uh, ultimately, ultimately, it wasn't because of Scott that he left, you know, it was because of fucking the New Mutants being fucking completely reckless with, and putting their lives and others' lives in jeopardy that caused him to leave. But but still, it really made me think about about labels and how we, you know, how we kind of, like, judge people. What did you think of this? I loved this episode. Oh, my God. Everything about it was 10 out of 10 chef's kiss. <laughs> I I loved uh, Jubilee being part of the uh, fucking shit up squad. <laughs> um, I felt bad about multiple mans. The flirting between Lance and Kitty, that's what really sold this episode. Yeah. The drowning scenario when he's just carrying Kitty Princess style. Love that. I like, I, I knew that this was going to be, you know, like a one off situation and that he was going to go back to the Brotherhood after this. Yeah. Just a uh, 10 out of 10. Good, good episode. Um, I, I saw what was going to happen with Lance getting the blame for things as soon as uh, the kids said that they were going to take the van out. And then, obviously, when they were taking the Blackbird out, I was like, okay, he's going to get the blame for that. But, I mean, it's a kid's show, so I'm not going to fault it for, you know, obvious plot points. I like it. Yeah, a trope of a kid known for being bad getting the blame when the good kids do something bad yeah it's, exactly. it's a trope it's a trope but it was it worked it was really effective in in this episode yeah and yeah you know i just i i think you know for for a kid who wanted to come and try living um the straight and narrow yeah living straight and narrow for for a bit you know some of them just kind of writing him off as like he's full of shit you know just like i said earlier it just it doesn't make him want to try any harder. You know, it just kind of like it, it it's going to defeat any sort of resolve he has for for being good. And it, and it stinks because you saw him be accepted by the other kids. You saw him like getting pats on the back. You saw him running through the fucking danger room and like doing fine with these fucking tests. Um, And then you see one of the the good kids who thinks it's shitty and thinks he's shitty um, be shitty to him. And, and it stinks because, you know, he kind of needs this positive nurture that he's not that he's not getting and then he just goes right back to it so it's sad but it was a nice little break it was nice to see how how well he acclimated to it just for this one episode and who knows maybe we'll see some more of this again last episode we're talking about uh episode 10 mindbender and we are now officially in 2002 yeah i really liked this episode uh it was absolutely nuts for a couple of different reasons mostly 
because of all of the action in it. Um, but your girl, who's not really your girl because it's this show, but your girl got mind-controlled, Patty. No. Yeah. Usually it's my other girl getting mind-controlled. Well, your other girl? Two of my other girls. Um, how many, Patty, how many side bitches do you have? <laughs> um, Polaris is always oh, getting okay. mind-controlled. And True. Laura, at least, yeah. I mean, not in the comics anymore, but she used to. Yeah. Yeah, but it opens with Jean at a carnival in the rain in her jammies. Hot. <laughs> We're the wet t-shirt contest that boys. Oh my god, Patty, really? <laughs> no, this is scary. Uh, there's a big fucking scary clown. There's all kinds of fucking scary clowns. Uh, I was like trying not to fucking pay attention when uh, when, when we were watching this together uh, because of how scary it is. I hate clowns. <laughs> If y'all don't know that about me, I fucking hate clowns. They are terrifying. And I think clowns are sexy. Patty, what? <laughs> what did you just say? Well, I think certain clowns are sexy. What? I think that... What the fuck? Hisoka from Hunter Hunter, he's sexy. Kefka? Even though he's weird. And Kefka. And I feel like there was another one. <laughs> it might just be those two. There might be another one I'll think of later. Crystal Method. No. <laughs> uh, what birthday was it? I think it was my fourth birthday. My grandparents hired a clown to come to the house. And uh, a bunch of kids from my preschool class were here. I remember being outside with, uh, with them when he rolled up in his car. And, um, you know, he came inside and he, he did his fucking tricks. And uh, me and one of my friends were, were trying to be silly with him during his act and he i guess he wasn't too appreciative of it but i will never forget how after his whole act and whatever was done um he told me that after my birthday was over my presents were going to disappear um, <laughs> and that traumatized me that's fucking <laughs> hilarious patty are you fucking kidding me i would love to say that to a little asshole kid patty are you calling me a little I will hang up this podcast right now. Are you are you really saying that? I was a little child. I, that traumatizes the shit out of me. How are you taking joy in this? I mean, not you. It's it's not you because you couldn't be a child again. So I wouldn't be traumatizing you. I would be traumatizing some other child. Holy shit. And I would teach them, don't heckle, it's rude. God. But that's why I don't work with kids. Yeah, he uh, he had a, a dove, too, that got loose in the house. It was okay, though. It You know, it didn't go very far. It was pretty docile. It's not like, it's a dove. I don't know if they attack people. I just had this one vivid memory of it just sitting on top of some fucking cabinets in the house and looking around at us. <laughs> so that was kind of funny. Yeah, and then uh, and then I was like seven, and uh, uh, I was over at my friend's house, and we watched Killer Clowns from Outer Space. <laughs> and that, that movie is is a stupid movie, but for a seven year old, it was who who was already traumatized by a clown. I was traumatized by by a clowns yet again, and I had nightmares on and off for a few years about that movie. Um, so I hate clowns. I hate clowns. Just some background on on me. <laughs> so Jean's disappeared. Jean had this nightmare. We know it's a nightmare. But then she's she's disappeared. Xavier doesn't know. Hank's looking for clues. 
Scott is just openly using his phone while driving. This was amazing using his cell phone while driving. This was back before the fucking laws. <laughs> I thought that was wonderful. Duncan hasn't seen Gene. Nobody knows. We got a little bit of a side story, which is cute. Uh, the new mutants are going to have a danger room session and multiple runs after, uh, who was it? It was Iceman. It was Berserker, uh, Cannonball, and Magma. And multiple's like, nobody told me we were having a session. And Berserker's like, wow, what an oversight. Imagine that. <laughs> and they just closed the door on him. Poor Jamie got left out. Felt Aww. so bad for him. Because he's younger than the rest of them. Like, they're they're all a little bit younger than the X-Men, but you know he's, like, pre-teenager. Uh, so he's real little. But anyway, so Logan does some tracking. He finds that, that Gene bought a train ticket to Boston. Cerebro picks up that she's using her powers, and it's to steal a ring from a museum. Fucking broad daylight. Gene just steals this fucking ring from a museum. Also, why are all of the girls missing? Who let the girls out? <laughs> what What girls are missing? Storm was just missing. We just had to go get Storm. Now we have to go get Jean. <laughs> How many other girls? It's, it's like rounding up a herd of girls. It's like trying to herd, <laughs> like trying to herd girls. <laughs> uh, <laughs> listen, Jean's taking care of herself. She's not in the trouble like Storm was in trouble. Fucking Gene just flipped cop cars. You see that? Just fucking yes. no effort. No that effort. Is, One of those... That is my kink. Patty, fucking, there was a cop car in a fountain, I think, and a cop car in a tree. <laughs> yes, that's that's amazing. Yeah. So she's she's your girl now. She, this she's, is your she's, gene. She, this, is, this is my gene. Okay, so here's what I think I figured out, everybody. Yeah. Here's what I think was really going on. All right? I think that what really got you into Gene in the comics was when Dark Phoenix ate a star and destroyed the planet full of broccoli people. I think that was your draw to Gene Maybe. In, the, <laughs> in the comics. And and that's why you like Gene. It's because that happened. And so far, you, you have not liked Gene in X-Men Evolution, but now suddenly Gene's, Gene's mind-controlled, flipping cop cars, and now Patty's all about fucking Gene. I am. You know you know me. I like I like the crazy bitches. Oh Jesus. All right. I like fine. I like my bitches with an extra set of straight jacket. Ugh. Yeah, I mean think about it. My favorites are Jean X twenty three Magic and Polaris. I mean, like, come on. Okay. The new mutants are working together in the danger room. They beat the simulation. It was really cool to see. It was all like really cool teamwork. Magma tries to leave, but then the door, like an extra set of doors closes and a harder program starts. <laughs> and we see Jamie is in the control room doing this little evil laugh. Getting his revenge. Yeah. And so all the kids come out all fucking beat up and, uh, and Jamie's there just kind of like laughing and Berserker says like, let's get him. And he just turns around and yells and runs away. And Magma's like, tomorrow, we'll get him tomorrow. And they all turn around and walk away. So I, I thought that that was very funny. Silly little side thing. Has nothing to really do with the plot. But it's it's cute how these students are, like, getting up to hijinks or whatever. And at the same time, training and, like, learning. Um, you know, th this wasn't, like, the fucking Air Force 
going after them like last episode. It was, just, <laughs> it was more lighthearted, but you know, it was still fun. I, I, I like this. So Jean comes back to the mansion. Uh, this was pretty fucking ballsy. She knocks Scott unconscious, put him back to bed, and talked him in. So that was nice. She cares. She takes control of Kurt. Yeah, she got Nightcrawler first. And Beast finds that they went to New York City. And Scott and Logan go. Gene and Kurt go into this bank. They go into this lockbox and take another ring. So there's another ring. Now, now they got two rings. If you like it, you should put a ring on it. And so Logan and Scott break into the bank. Gene throws them out the fucking window. And the Blackbird leaves all of a sudden. So Hank figures out they're after ancient artifacts. Clearly, we've got two museums, two rings gone. Uh, Xavier detects that Gene is back on the school grounds. We see we see the Blackbird land on the front fucking lawn, not even trying to hide it. She takes control of Spike and Kitty. Uh, she takes control of, of Spike and has Spike... Uh, bust the fucking um the controls for the door and so hank and xavier are locked in and so xavier sees this face in gene's head and um it's karnak <laughs> i mean okay a little i mean i'm fine i'm fine with the way that mesmero looked here you know he wasn't just the solid green dude he was just he looked like Xavier, but had green dots and lines on his body. I don't know. I thought it was Karnak, and then I thought that it was Professor Xavier, but he was just looking at a reflection of himself where he had tattoos. <laughs> I was very confused at first. Like that time Xavier got face tattoos? Yeah, then... you know. You remember the classic hijinks. You remember what I'm talking about. So this little team that Jean's put together... They end up getting this third ring, the last ring in in its set. In Washington, D.C., they get their hands on it. So Rogue recognizes Mesmero. Uh, There was a circus that was just in town. And so they find the the circus. They find the mind-controlled kids there. So you've got, you know, the mind-controlled team, plus what's left over of the X-Men. So it's going to be this four-on-four fight. And and it's really interesting because I loved all of this action. And what I have to say, what I noticed here too, like the four of them who were mind controlled, I think maybe with the exception of Kitty, yeah, definitely with the exception of Kitty, like they pushed their powers to limits that we haven't seen yet in this cartoon, you know, because they're, they're, the four of them are, are kids. It's not like, it's not like they took Logan, Beast, or Storm, you know, we've seen Gene lift, uh, Scott and Alex. Right, she had a little trouble and a drift, lifting them out of the water and into the Blackbird, but she did it. In this episode, she's flipping fucking cop cars. Yeah. In this episode, during the fight, she spun Cyclops through the air as if he was in a tornado and held his eyes open at the same time so the beams would not stop shooting. Did you realize that? No. This is, that was fucking an amazing feat. She did these things with no fucking problem. So it's under mind control that her her powers are really being pushed and she's cutting loose. You have Kurt, uh, who we haven't seen, from what I remember, we haven't seen him teleport more than one person at a time. He teleported three other people with him. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy that he did that. During the fight with Beast, like, he's just nonstop. Like, we haven't seen him teleport like this, just 
Bamp over and over and over and over again to try to throw off his fucking opponent. We haven't seen this before. Spike? Spike, we haven't seen the fucking spikes come out of him like this. They primarily come out of his arms that he shot. This, like, they were fucking growing out of his back. They were fucking arching. They were huge. It was incredible. So I think really here it, it was interesting how Mesmero had control over these kids and forced them to push their powers beyond what they have been able to do before. Go beyond plus ultra. <laughs> so I think I think that was like just a super interesting thing to see, and we learned that it's not just Mesmero like pulling the strings. It was his power was sort of augmented here by by somebody else. But anyway, I thought that this fight scene was was really cool. You know, Gene lifts Xavier up into the air and Rogue runs over to try to skim some of her power off to stop her. And this gives Xavier a chance to attack Mesmero. And and you would think so. Like, Xavier is fine because you imagine uh, that Xavier is super powerful. And sure, he is. But we haven't really seen him, you know, go head to head with another telepath. And so he's got the upper hands. But then Mesmero blasts Xavier back and says, you have no idea who you're messing with. And he leaves and every and his hold over everyone is broken. But Xavier says that Mesmero was just another puppet. There's somebody else pulling the strings with a mind more powerful than anything I've ever encountered. The Shadow King. (laughs) So we can assume uh, that Mesmero's power was augmented here, too. So then you cut to some far off land. And Mesmero is in this cave. He takes part of a key. He puts the rings on the key, opens this door, and says the first door has been opened. I await your instruction of the location of the other two keys. The world will once again tremble at the presence of Apocalypse. Yes. No, based on the music that they played, too, I I was like, oh, shit, is it really the Shadow King? And then I was like, oh, no, it's not. (laughs) Oh, you sound so disappointed. Oh, no, Apocalypse. Um, oh. I, I would definitely prefer uh, Apocalypse story to The Shadow King. What was I going to say about this episode? I'm going to have to go back and rewatch this fight scene, I guess. Maybe I wasn't <laughs> paying too much attention to it that I didn't even notice that they, it was like anything spectacular. And listen, it's not like they, they didn't make it like a, a point. This is just something that like I noticed when I was... When I was watching. Yeah, but you know I don't notice things. (laughs) I could be full of it. Maybe they didn't intend it to be this way. Maybe this was just like the episode where they're like, hey, we're going to start upping their powers a little bit. And I'm just making it make sense in my head. Uh, No, it makes sense, though. I mean, think about what happened when, um, you know, Emma controlled uh, Iceman's power in the comics. Yeah, he's doing yeah. shit that like he never thought of before, and right. which is weird because like anytime I've seen this kind of thing where like one opponent can take the powers of another one, they're always weaker anyway because they're not used to it, and the other person has tons of training. But for some reason, like in these situations, it's the opposite. Well, it's because I think because um he the wasn't amplification of power. Yeah, it's not like he took them, he took their powers into his own body. He was just using what, he was pushing what was already there. Okay. As a telepath, you know, I mean, like Emma unlocking those parts of Bobby's powers that he didn't know he could tap into, 
Mesmero did the same thing, I think, with these kids. You know, unlock something that they didn't naturally grow into yet, you know? Anyway, I thought that this was a, a great episode. Yeah, it did stink seeing Gene just as this fucking mind-controlled pawn, but at the same time, it was... Even though it was for no good, uh, it was awesome to watch her cut loose and, and do everything she did, you know, and really tap into the potential of her power. Uh, I thought the action was great. Uh, well, again, when the four on four fought each other, it was unfortunate <laughs> that that Kitty got like <laughs> she kicked Logan in the shin. You know, I mean, that was it. Uh, she was so badass. Like Logan knew she was there. You knew that he knew she was there, and she, she, uh, she came up from underground to face him, and he had his claws out, and then he, they're facing each other, and he's like, "Ah, oh, I can't, you know, I can't just cut loose," and he puts his claws away, and she kicks him in the shin. That was funny, though. It was funny, but it was like. It would have just been kind of cool if if she just started fucking going like gymnast on him and kicking the shit out of him, but she did. She didn't. She kicked his shit. Um, yeah, he was still mad about that. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, like I said, I, I like this. I thought it was creepy as fuck. The whole circus, the whole clown fucking thing. It was creepy to see the X Men mind control doing what they did. Uh, especially the setting at the end when it was raining and it was in like the abandoned circus. The scenery, the setting was fucking dope. And yeah, and this is setting up apoc- Apocalypse. This is setting up like a big plot point that's going to come back later. I'm not going to spoil big details about it, but yeah, it's it's going to come back later and this is setting it up and I think it's cool that, that they're doing that. Yes, I have a general memory about something with these keys before. And uh, something to do with Apocalypse, but that's about as far as I remember. Because we didn't watch all the episodes. Yeah. Well, now we're going to watch all the episodes and we're going to watch them all in order. So when we watch episodes that we've watched, when we rewatch episodes that we've watched before, uh, not only will they be fresh, but they're all going to make sense in context. Yay, we love sense in context. So that'll do it for this episode of Mutant Musings Evolution. Thanks for joining us and remember to leave us a comment on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast and on Twitter at mutant musings. Join us for episode 10 in two weeks when we discuss shadow dance and retreat. And until then, Gene flipping cop cars was right. Yeah.